every day of the year sermon, but I'm going to start in the book of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, and I want you to turn with me, and we're going to give God our very best in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Matthew writes and records, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by his prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you let me preach from that phrase? And again, I'm not preaching a Christmas message. I'm preaching an every day of this year message, Emmanuel. God with us. Would you lift your voice and lift your hands and would you pray right now, Heavenly Father, we exalt you, we magnify you, we love and appreciate you and we've come today on this last Sunday of 2019 with an intentionality, with a purpose, with a focus. We have worshipped you, we have glorified you, but now we must hear from you. So, Lord, would you speak one more time in the midst of your people in this congregation? Would you be Emmanuel, God, with us again in Jesus' name? Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Emmanuel, God, with us. The verse, if you will, that the angel quoted or at least that Matthew quoted to tie up what was happening comes from Isaiah 7 14 where it says therefore the Lord will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel I, I, I maybe maybe this has been on my mind I, I it seems like every time this season that I have turned to the Bible or or thought about it I have come back to this phrase God with us and at the risk of just kind of re-preaching things that have already been preached and already been spoken and already been taught, I am struck by all of the depth contained when you think about God with us. It has to connect to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life, and the life was light of men. And we're talking about God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the same God that spoke to to Adam and Eve, the same God that spoke to Abraham and Noah and David. This is the God we're talking about. In Him was life, and the life was the light of the men light shone in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not and and you, you see throughout Israel's history they would, would have a tendency to not listen to the prophet they wouldn't listen to the man of God they would sometimes kill the prophet in fact finally there's a man sent from, John, from God whose name was John he came to bear witness of that light that all might believe through him John was not the light he never intended to be the light he was simply telling you about the light. He was telling you every sermon he preached, he 
even when he was baptizing those in the Jordan River, every sermon he preached, he was telling them, hey, one day the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He's going to be in the world. The world was made by him, yet the world would not know him. He will come to his own, and his own would not receive him. But all that, re that will receive him, who believe in his name, he will give them the right to become the children of God. They will be born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then John chapter 1 verse 14 begins to unfold the beauty of the incarnation. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. We've beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the beauty of what you and I have uh, the privilege of worshiping and lifting our hands. It's not to a God that we have not seen nor touched nor understood, but it's a God that became flesh, a God that came down to earth and lived like you and I lived. I think it's Hebrews that says, touched by the feelings of our infirmities, tempted in all points like as you and I are God with us. We have perused the gospel we have seen various times that Jesus would explain what was going on. Sometimes the disciples got it, sometimes they didn't have a clue. But can you imagine the light bulbs that would have went off in their minds as those that had been raised in this Jewish uh, understanding, those that were following the prophets, that were following the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Can you imagine the light bulbs that went off when they finally looked beside them and they realized this is Jesus, God with us? Now, I, I, I'm not, I've preached this before, so I'm not going to belittle the point or, or belabor the point, rather, but can you imagine also? there in the upper room when those 120 who had walked with God, don't ever forget that those that were in the upper room were those that had seen Jesus walk on water, they had seen Jesus open blinded eyes they had probably been there when he broke bread and fish and fed 5,000 or 10,000, they were those that had rubbed shoulders with God some there in the upper room were the ones that cried tears over the feet of Jesus and wiped them with their hair they were those that had been delivered and those that had been set free they knew who Jesus was and then there in the upper room after they have experienced the crushing loss of their Savior and then the, the momentary joy as he comes back resurrected and then a little bit of a loss as they watch him translate back into heaven and they're wondering what are we going to do the angel said go to Jerusalem and wait there there's going to be the promise that he spoke of just tarry if you will I don't know exactly what all they did I don't know exactly what all happened. We can count the days between the resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We understand the time frame. I just don't know what all they did except that they tarried in prayer. And then Acts 2 unfolds and they're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said they made such a noise that it, 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 it messed up all those that were outside. They were there for the Feast of Pentecost. It was a noisy environment anyway, uh, at the risk of, of being unholy. 
if you've ever seen a, a, a big parade, if you've ever seen Mardi Gras, not hopefully not like down in New Orleans, that's not safe for any Christian to go, but if you've ever been around Mardi Gras, that's the, the festival atmosphere, not necessarily the debauchery, but the festival atmosphere. There were parades, there were horns being blown, there were drums that would go. It was the Feast of Pentecost. It was a good time. Jerusalem was bustling. Jerusalem was... Was, was popping at the seams it was happening but in the midst of the cacophony of noise that was outside in the upper room outside the windows came a sound they had never heard before they stopped what they were doing they looked up and they said we hear them speaking in our language and how do these unlearned ignorant Israelites how, how do they know the languages and they're worshiping God And but I, I would like to tell you that perhaps a little bit of the noise was not just the, the, the speaking in tongues, the un, uh, you know, what you, what you could not understand. But I have a feeling at some point after the Holy Ghost fell, you've got Paul, or rather Peter, you've got Peter dancing around going, this is it, this is it. He's now inside of me. I used to walk beside him, but now he's in me. It's Emmanuel, God, with us. But I, over these last few weeks in this Christmas season I keep coming back to it Emmanuel God with us it's far more than the nativity in fact I would even tell you it's far more than the gospel the death burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ if I could I would even say Emmanuel God with us is far greater than even just the infilling of his spirit inside you and I and I'm not you know, denying that power or, or trying to make light of that in any way, shape, or form. What do you get with a God that's with you? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. No, you didn't think about it, but you've asked it, so now I'm going to answer it. I could take you to, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture, paraphrase a lot of scripture. So, Brother Mike back there, just follow best you can as I tend to get a little excited, but Genesis chapter 26, Isaac goes up from Beersheba, the Lord appears unto him that same night, and this is what he says, I'm the God of Abraham, your father, fear not, for I am with you. you got to just help me for a moment. You've got Isaac that has seen his father Abraham the faithful Isaac who has watched God be with Abraham and had watched Abraham multiply his flocks and his family Isaac knowing full well what was going on laid down on an altar and had to watch a dad raise a knife above him because his dad was so connected and so focused and so faithful to God that even if it meant the loss of his only son he would gladly do it because the God he served said to do so Isaac had walked in that Isaac had seen that and now you have a moment where Abraham's passed on and Isaac's there and I have walked the same path when I wonder is the God of my grandparents and the God of my father and the God of my mother is he the God of my life too will I ever be able to have the same prayer life and the same faith that my grandparents have and in the midst of sometimes a little bit of doubt and fear the Lord stepped into Isaac's life and just reminded him hey Isaac just like I was with Abraham I am with you too 
but he doesn't stop there. Genesis chapter 28, and you can find that there's a common denominator. Jacob left Beersheba and goes toward Haran. He goes there, he comes to a certain place. He's running from his brother. He's running from all of the, 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 the deceit that was going on at home. And he comes and he finds this place. The sun is going down. He ran away from home, doesn't have all of the necessary camping equipment, so he simply takes the stones and put one stone under his head and lays down in that place to sleep and you get the story and the, the, the part of, of Jacob's dream, the ladder that descends from heaven to earth, the angels walking up and down but could I remind you of what the Lord said to him he said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread abroad to the west, to the east, the north, and the south. In you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Watch it. And behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done all that I have promised unto you and again you've got a Jacob who's running for his life who at this point Jacob feels like a failure even though he got the birthright and he got the blessing he still knows it came a little bit through deceit and he doesn't know what's going to happen and the Lord reminds him in his journey the Lord reminds him I am with or perhaps it's Israel, what Isaiah, what the Lord told to Isaiah in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or what he said to Zephaniah in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exalt over you with loud singing. That's what it means for a God with us. Throughout Israel's prophecy, or for, without, throughout Israel's time of exile and captivity, there were numerous prophecies that would come. Prophecies to Jeremiah that said, I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked. I'll redeem you. I am with you to save you and deliver you. Jeremiah 30 says, I am with you to save you, to make full and a full end of the nations among whom I've scattered you. Jeremiah 42 says, don't fear the king of Babylon. Don't fear him. I am with you. Jeremiah 46, 28, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, for I am with you. Haggai chapter 1, verse 13, The messenger of the Lord spoke the, to the people the Lord's message, and here was his simple message, I am with you. I began to realize as I studied and perused through the Word of God that the I am with you is not just linked to the Nativity and Emmanuel. It's linked from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So can I talk to somebody on this last Sunday of the year? Some of you are looking forward to next year. You, you've, you've already wiped clean the slate. You've got plans next year. But others, you're a little nervous about what next year might hold. Wonder, is it going to be just a continuation of this year? How, how am I going to handle it? What am I going to do? How 
uh, will, will I come through it? Let me talk to a few. If you're here today and you feel insignificant, let me read to you the psalmist and his uh, Psalms 139. He said, Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. You're in, you hem me in, you're behind me, you're before me, and I can't even comprehend it. Your knowledge is too wonderful for me. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're going to be there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. Basically, he says, whether I'm in heaven or whether I'm in the grave, you're going to be right there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me. I could say darkness might cover me, and the light about me would be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, for the night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. You formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame is not hidden for you. When I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my my uninformed substance. In your book were written every one of the days that you formed for me even before I took my first breath. If I could account them, my days would be more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Do you understand? I know maybe it sounds cliche, but listen to your pastor for just a moment. That before you took your first breath in your mother's womb, every day was recorded in the word of God according to the psalmist here. He knows who you are, and it doesn't matter if you go north, south, east, or west. It doesn't matter if you're on the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. He is with you. It's echoed in Jeremiah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, before you were born, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah begins to say, ah, I don't know about all of that. It sounds good on paper, but you're not really talking about me. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. And the Lord comes back and says, Don't say you're only a youth for whom to all I send you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you. So it doesn't matter how you might feel about yourself. God's with you. Emmanuel, God with us, is more than a Christmas song. It's more than a cool Christmas card. It's to remind you when you don't feel like anything's going on. It's reminding you he walks beside you every day. Jeremiah would go on to think, Jeremiah 8, 1, 18 and 19. Jeremiah would say, you know, you put me in a bad spot, Lord. You've asked me to preach, you've asked me to speak, you've asked me to be a prophet. Jeremiah is one of the saddest prophetic books in the Word because it seems like there's not one prophecy that anybody heeded. They call him the weeping prophet. He, he had a lot of prophecies. They all came to pass. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't wrong in what he said. But it seemed like he didn't have one convert. Nobody listened. 
They threw him in the jail. They threw him in pits. They left him for dead. But God said, Jeremiah, I'll make you a fortified city. I'll make you an iron pillar and a bronze wall. And it doesn't matter if the whole land or the kings of Judah, its officials or its priests or the people of the land, and if they fight against you, they will not prevail, for I am with you. I, I think I could pull a little bit out of this and just tell you that if next year or even at the end of this year, if it feels like you're being attacked unfairly, if it feels like people are against you, if it feels like those are coming and you're trying to figure out kind of like the psalmist did, Lord, I don't know what way's up or down. How am I going to do it? I'd like to remind you that he is with you to protect you and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Or if you get to the place where you wonder, you know, it's pretty tough. Life, you know, serving you, Lord, I've had my good days. But I don't know if I can make it tomorrow. I don't know if I can go into the next day. If you've ever wondered, should you continue living for God? I would draw your mind and your attention to Joshua chapter 1. That starts where it says, and after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord begins to speak to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now you can think what you want to think. But Moses, along with the presence of God and the, and the power of God, but Moses, he was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He goes away in the wilderness. He's the one that sees the burning bush. He's the one that talks to God face to face. He's the one that brings three million plus Israelites, it seems, out of Egypt. He's the one who, who, who speaks the word of God and ten plagues come. He's the one that brings grumbling, ungrateful, unthankful people out of their captivity into a marvelous light and they cry and they complain and they moan and and he has to be the one that stands between them and God and Moses carries the brunt and Moses carries the weight and if it wasn't for Moses' intercession God would have stomped Israel off the face of the earth way before they got to Mount Sinai it's Moses that climbs the mountain and sees and hears God and God gives him the law and he brings it down and by the time Moses comes down most of Israel's dancing naked around some golden calf and Moses gets so mad he grinds up the stones that the law was on throws it in the water plagues come it's Moses that steals the plagues again I know it's the power of God just hang with me for a moment it's Moses that walks back up the mountain talks to God again gets the law brings it back down. Oh, I know Joe, uh, Joshua and Caleb were in part of that. I know their story. I know how they're woven. I know there's a place where it says that Moses, when he would have to leave the tabernacle and he would have to leave the tent of meeting to maybe go uh, work through a problem, Joshua would stay behind. I, I get all of that. But you're talking to a young man now who's standing in the midst of the promised land and Moses is no longer with him. Joshua wonders much like Elisha would have wondered after Elijah was taken up is the same God that was with them going to be with me I know what Moses went through I don't know if I can do it God I know what Moses dealt with I don't know if I can do it Lord 
Moses interceded for him, I might just pray you kill him. I don't know if I can do it. And God begins to speak. Hey, I know Moses, my servant's dead. But I need you, Joshua, to arise and go to Jordan. All the people into the land that I'm giving you. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I've given you. Just as I promised Moses. And, and you can keep reading through all that. I'm running out of time. You can keep reading. He says, be strong, be courageous. Make sure you follow the law. But verse 9 says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Emmanuel, God with us. It's Acts chapter 18 and verse 8 when Paul is there. They're in Corinth and, and he's, he's at a house of, of Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. And his whole household has been saved. And it's amazing, but Paul is sleeping one night and the Lord speaks to him and says, Don't be afraid, Paul, but go on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. And you have to imagine the next day, Paul got up, put on his coat and said man I've had a lot of things, I've been boiled in oil, I've been stoned a couple times, I've been in shipwreck but God you told me you're with me so I'm going to keep preaching, you've told me you're with me I'm going to keep working and I, he worked a year and six months in Corinth because that Emmanuel God with us is not just a cute Christmas card it's something that you ought to wake up every morning when you get out of bed. And instead of looking at the mirror and telling yourself how awesome you are and how beautiful you are, why don't you look yourself in the mirror and say, I can make it today because God is with me. He was with me yesterday and he's going to be with me today. And when you lay your head down tomorrow or tonight and you're about to go into tomorrow, I can sleep because God is with me. If I could give you a glimpse into the way that my mind works, if I could give you a glimpse into how this all came about and how the Lord began to speak. As I was reading the Bible as I do every day, and I'm going to keep saying that until you start doing it, because I believe that's what we're called to do. But I read the Bible usually every morning. Occasionally it'll be a little later, but it's usually the first thing I do. I'll sit at the kitchen table, I'll open my Bible, I've got my notebook beside me. And I just so happen to turn into my daily reading, Daniel chapter 3. Ah, you know the story. You know, Nebuchadnezzar makes a great image. Commands all of those that are around to bow before the image when you hear the music play. When you hear all of that go on. It happens to be in some valley and in my mind and the way I believe the word of God plays it out as far as you can see are the rulers and the, 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 the royalty and all of the governors that's part of that kingdom of Persia and Babylon. And there they begin to play the music and everybody begins to bow. There's a few that don't like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't like these Israelites that God has blessed even in the midst of captivity. And you can read that in Daniel chapter 1. But they don't like that. And they happen to notice that when everybody else is bowing, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or not. So they walk and march up to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, hey, you, didn't you say everybody has to bow, and if not, there's going to be punished? And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, in his pride and arrogance, says, absolutely, who's not bowing? And they point out Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In his fury, in his anger, he brings them up, and he asks them, you know, hey, I like you guys. You've been pretty good to me. You've got wisdom. Maybe you didn't hear the music. Let's play it again, and maybe I'll give you another chance. And the Israelite children or young men, they say, look, we'll answer you without careful. We don't even have to think about it. You can play that song every day for the next 100 years, but we will not bow. We don't serve you. We serve the living God. And even if the Lord God decides not to deliver us from your hand, then we will die knowing we stood. Nebuchadnezzar rips his hair. He rips his clothes. He commands it to be heated up seven times hotter. He throws them in. And they fall. The flame of the fire kills those who are bringing them in. They're bound. The Bible says they're bound up in their garments, their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments. He throws them into the furnace. And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar rises up and he looks at those counselors around him. And he says, didn't we put four men, or didn't we put three men in that fire? And they said, yes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. He didn't understand what was going on, but what he didn't realize is that Emmanuel, God with us, extends even into the fiery furnace. And those children of Israel who, who, who had lived in a, a time where God seemingly was forgotten. It's the whole reason they're in exile. It's the whole reason they're in Babylon at that moment. But those three Hebrew children that somewhere had it in their mind, I'm going to serve God, walked through that fire. The fire burned off the ropes, but it left their clothes unsinged, and it left their clothes unsmoky, and they were walking with God Almighty. And as I read that, God spoke to me as clearly as he could ever speak. He said, Brandon, that's what Emmanuel, God with us. Means. All right. I figured a little bit more, so let's go this. Isaiah 43 1. But now, thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, fear not, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be consumed. The burn, or you shall not be burned. The flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am with you I'm here today to tell somebody that you're struggling a bit you're focused on all of the trials and the storms that are raging in your life and you're wondering am I ever gonna get it can I tell you in the midst of the storm in the midst of the fire in the midst of the flood you need to understand Christmas still means it to you Emmanuel God with us Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6 that goes like this be strong and courageous don't fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you 
That's the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 begins to pull from that when it says, He has said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Or I could walk with you into Matthew 28, 16, the Great Commission. Go, all authority, all, all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to you. What's that last part say? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. It's Peter walking on the water. It's Peter and all of his enthusiasm that doesn't think about the physics and the science behind what he's going to do. Lord, if that's really you, bid me to come walk on the water with you. And the Lord says, well, come. Peter throws off his clothes, throws his legs over the gunnel, and begins to walk on the water. But somewhere in the midst of his journey to God, he got his eyes a little unfocused. And the storm caught his attention. All of a sudden, he's like a, he's like a child. Zeke, it happened last night. We're over at family's house. They were all sitting in the kitchen. He was sitting at the little bar, and he was eating. Little Amzie was beside him. I was beside him. Ryan was beside him. And then one by one, we all left because he was eating. And he was fine for a while. So he started looking around. And he realized, where is everybody? He started screaming, hollering, crying. That's how Peter was. He was fine as long as he was fixed on Jesus. But when he got his eyes off, he felt the roll of the wave. Now he's stepping down into troughs and onto the crest of the waves. And the storms got his attention. And he begins to sink. And as he begins to sink, he cries out. And the Bible says immediately, Jesus took him by the hand. Now, I don't know if that meant he was that close and he, he just... How did you mess up, Peter? You were right there. Or if Jesus just got to him some miraculous way that Peter didn't understand it. But what I've learned is in the midst of my storm, he is there with me. Would you stand today in this place? So I ask you, whatever it is that you, whatever day, whatever season of life you might be walking in. Emmanuel, God with us is not just reserved for Christmas. It's reserved for heartache. It's reserved for sickness. It's a message reserved for depression and doubt and despair. It's a message for when you're weak and you can't hardly find strength to take one more step. It's a message for you when you've failed and fallen short of the glory of God, when your sins seem to rise up in front of you higher than anything else. When circumstances come and decisions must be made and you don't know how to make them, that's when Emmanuel, God with us, becomes so much more apt. So I tell you, on this December 29th, Sunday morning, 2019. Whatever you're going through right now, 
whatever unknown we might walk into in 2020. He's Emmanuel, God with us. So what then should I say to these things? If God be for us, then who can be against us? I mean, what should I say? Shall Who or what or how or when or what circumstance might be able to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Nope. He's with us. Distress? Not on your life. He's with me. Shall persecution? Nope. He'll be there too. What about famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. He's Emmanuel, God, with me. Even when it's written for your sake, we'll be killed all the day long. We're like sleep sheep ready to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, because he's with me in death, nor life, he's here today, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation is able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I might have the privilege or at least the, the, the freedom to give you my own paraphrase, nothing can separate me from Emmanuel, God with us.